We are welcoming in a brand new sponsor here on the show, Adam and Eve. Make sure you go to adamandeve.com for some free stuff. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up your bedroom is even better. Select any one item for 50% off, and then Adam and Eve loads on the free stuff. Enter in the offer code TMPT at checkout, yes, TMPT, and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. A sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy, and six free spicy movies, plus free shipping. The promo code is TMPT, so make sure you use TMPT at checkout at adamandeve.com. Yes, that is adamandeve.com. Now, Page, here's composure, folks. Remember, yeah. he nailed it. Go back and get him at him. Don't get rattled. That's the most important thing for Hangman Adam Page. So tired, too. Fatigue. Trying to get on that top rope, he does. Now, flipping over. Buckshot Lariat takes on Jericho. Pin him. Pin him right now, Adam Page. Now, he wants to put the exclamation mark on this. And go right back to it. Jericho! Jericho getting a second chance. Rising backslide! The backslide. No. Oh, oh, it's so fat! That's it! That's gotta be it! By God, what impact! Was that the knockout moment? What a shot by Jericho! That's gotta be it! And it is it! Chris Jericho is the first ever AEW World Champion! Thank you, Chris Jericho! Man, what a battle! The winner of this match and All Elite Wrestling World Champion, Chris Jericho! The man continues to reinvent himself. All over the world, Chris Jericho has been one of the greatest, if not the greatest, of all time. And today, on this day, he walks out of Chicago, the first ever. AEW World Champion. History has been made. I'll tell you what, gentlemen. Whoever comes to that title better bring their damn lunch because you're going to be there a while. Chris Jericho has lived in the dream again, reinventing himself again. And he's as good as he's ever been right now. And what a matchup. Yet another notch on his belt. He's held so many titles. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what?
Hello and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I'm your host, JP John Paz. With me today is a very, very special guest. He is a former AEW World Heavyweight Champion, six-time WWE World Heavyweight Champion, a wrestler, an author, a podcaster, a musician, the demo god, Y2J, the GOAT, Chris Jericho. Chris, welcome into the two-man power trip. It's a lot of nicknames, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Too many, maybe? <laughs> Never too many. As long as you keep making T-shirts off it, you're fine. You know, it's crazy with you. You know, some guys do too too many nicknames, and ah, it doesn't get over, or if one doesn't. You hit the mark. It's like ten for ten, or you know, you're hitting. Well, hitting not quite. I mean, the, the, most of the time, there's a few that didn't really get through as much as you want, but you never know. You know what fans are going to respond to, and that's something that's so cool about having fans back. You know, now and getting ready to go back on the road. Actually, I'm leaving later today to go to Miami for the first show that we've had in a different city other than Jacksonville since the beginning of May of last year. So that's the cool thing is you never really know how people are going to respond and what they're going to connect with. And um, we'll be able to find that out again. So when you talk about Demogod or Le Champion or those type of things, I mean, had there been no fans, they might not have gotten over as good as they did. Right, true. It's going to be interesting to see how certain guys react. You know, online they're like, "Oh, Orange Cassidy's over, Darby Allen's over, MJF is hated." Let's see how it really is in in front of the crowd, right? I mean, we're going to really test test the crowd. Well, yeah, and we kind of been been doing that. I mean, we've had crowds back since September, but having full crowds mm -hmm. and you know, in different cities is very important because that's the real kind of litmus test. I feel that we've almost been in a territory for the last year or so to where you're doing, you know, Memphis every Tuesday or whatever it right. may be, or Calgary every Monday or whatever. So um, to go out in front of a different city every night, that's kind of where you really get the different reactions because some cities are more of a heel town. Some cities are more of a babyface town. Some are louder. Some aren't as loud, uh, everything in between. So, that's part of the fun is kind of reacting to what the crowd is giving you and it's not always the same. So that's something that's going to be really, really cool to get back into again. Um, Cause you forget almost, you know, 29 years of having crowds, but then one year with no crowd, it's like being, you know, an alcoholic. If you don't drink for a year, you kind of forget what it was like to drink. <laughs> so right. Yeah. Here we are getting ready to go back and get drunk on crowds again, I guess you'd say. I think it's a guarantee the crowd will react to Judas, though, one of the greatest uh, rock songs of our time. And they love sing along with that theme. Well, that was something funny, too. Like when there was no crowd for four or five months or even more, I even remember what it was now. The first week they came back. I was like, I hope they remember. Like, what if they forget <laughs> to, to, to do this? And mm -hmm. thankfully, they were right into it. But once again, you've had Jacksonville crowds singing this for the last, you know, six months or whatever it's been. Now we get to go to Miami and have them sing it and then go to Texas and Charlotte, wherever the hell we're going over the next, you know, the next while, everywhere now. So, like I said, it's a real cool homecoming and it's a real great um moment for all of us it's been a long time coming and we're excited to get back on the on the horse again so to speak and i know my buddy rafael who works uh, behind the scenes there he's been uh helping out right picking the right towns and and kind of knowing where to go a little bit yeah His exactly expertise. that's exactly right so with you wanted to talk about the complete list of jericho your new book i mean is this is just uh, if you just look at it it's just unbelievable what you've done and and basically from a handwritten journal right that's kind of how the the genesis of it you had all the matches written down just tell us a little bit about the book 
First of all, pick a number between one and 2,722. Yes, which is how many matches are in that book. Let's go 1,001. All right, 1,001. You look it up here. It's all in order because, like you said, I've kept a log of every match that I've ever had since the first day of October 2nd, uh, 1990. So 1,001. Wow. With my second match ever in WWE, August 24th, uh, 1999. That was versus the Road Dog in Kansas City, Missouri. I lost by DQ, and I gave that one uh, three stars. Nice, nice. I think that's the infamous double power bomb through the table. Right? It is good memory. And it's funny yeah. too because the first match I ever had in WWE, which I just found out through this book, is against the big boss man in Winnipeg. It was my first WWE match and coincidentally was my thousandth ever pro wrestling match. And that's the cool wow. thing about this book is I can go through and find out every match I've ever had, uh, where it was, when it was. I gave it a star rating every night. I kept track of the money for the first probably 600 of them or so or 800 of them until I started making guaranteed money to where it's the same every week. Um, and it's just, I don't think there's ever anybody that's done that before, especially with the career that I had of going 30 years around the world. So it really is a journal, a handwritten journal that, that basically, I mean, if you haven't seen the book, you, you can see right here at the very front cover, that's the actual page right there that I wrote all, yep. all that's my actual writing. That's the first page ever. And that we kind of trend, you know, made that part of the book as well in my actual handwriting, etc. So it is something that, that once again, having written four books before the first three were kind of more autobiographical. The fourth one was kind of more of a self-help book. What can I do next? And I thought, well, coming up my 30 year anniversary, it's the perfect time to kind of, uh, you know, not just collect because I have them all collected, but give them to somebody. In this case, it was Alex Marvez and say, take this and put it into a computer. Because for years I was always scared. Like, what if I lose this book? Or what if uh, there's a fire or something? All of this history would be gone because. Another thing too about this is you can start your wrestling career today, for example, go 30 years and do a book like this because everything is documented. You go to cagesideseats.com or cage, whatever cage the hell match, it is. Cage match, yeah. Cagematch.com and you can find every match from everybody. Problem is for the first, gosh, I don't know, seven, eight years of my career, pre-internet, there is no real records of the matches I had in, in Mexico or Germany or Japan or Canadian Indies, Smoky Mountain, ECW, you might be able to find it. But the, those first six years, you definitely count. And I have all of that. So this is kind of like from a guy who started one foot in the old school. And here I am now one foot in kind of the way the business is now. If Bret Hart would have done this or Ric Flair or Shawn Michaels, it would be kind of the same, you know, crossing the, the plane of what wrestling was and is. But they didn't do that, and I did. And I think I'm kind of the last of my breed that was able to do this. And uh, that's why this book is almost more of a history book as much as it is a Chris Jericho book. Yeah, that's awesome. I probably should have said 1,004 since you're the master of 1,004. <laughs> um, I just loved, like, you put all that together. You know what I mean? Like, that you – and I had the foresight to say you were going to do that, but that you always were writing down. Like, Foley, too. Like, you're writing stuff down and Brett it, to some some extent. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And some of your payoffs are in there, who you wrestled, what day. I mean, yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, it wasn't so much writing stories. It was just like, I, you know, I talk about it in the forward of the book, and I've told the story before, but my first day of wrestling camp, Keith Hart was there at Hart Brothers basically just to collect the money and 
asked if anybody had any questions. And I just was wondering how, how many matches have you had, Keith? And he said, I don't know. That's a stupid question because no one keeps track of things like that. And I thought, well, that's weird to me because if I want to know how many games Wayne Gretzky's played in the NHL, I can go to the library. There's an old reference. And um, look in a book. And I thought, well, I don't know if I'm going to have one match or 1,000 or 2,722 at the time, but I'm going to keep a list of every one and we'll see what happens. And that's, it just became a habit. And there was a time when cage match came out that in probably 2015 or 16, I did stop physically writing down because I said, well, it's all in there anyways. And so that was part of Alex's research that he had to go grab those extra. It's probably only about a hundred matches. So at that point, but I had, I had them all documented not ever thinking I'd do a book with it. I remember when we came out with the first book with the lion's tail, I was thinking maybe doing like an appendix, like the end of the book. Here's every match I've ever had, which would have taken fuck. I don't know, 500 pages or something. Right. So I'm glad that I saved it for this because I was able to do it right. Cause it's not just a book of, 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 of every match. You know, we have the top 10 lists in there and we have, you know, the comments from all the different, you know, people that I've worked with over the years and, you know, uh, hundreds of over a hundred pictures that you've never seen before. So the, the, it really is kind of more of a, like I said, a celebration of my career for one over these 30 years. And then this, you know, kind of history, history book where if you want to know what Mexico was like in the early nineties, I have all of this, you know what I mean? So I have it all of it documented. It's awesome. It just, uh, oh, it's so cool being a big wrestling fan and being able to kind of relive a lot of that stuff too, man. Like I used to love and just two words that got over big time. And I still say today, and I actually talked to him last week and I mentioned it to him. I said, two words for you, Dean Stinko Malenko. And he, uh, <laughs> and he obviously he remembered, I was just like, man, just going back and reliving that feud. I mean, it really, really awesome stuff to be able to do that. Well, and like I said, that, that's the thing about it, you know, and, and if you're familiar with my career, all those moments are in there. And like I said to me, once again, if you know, when I wanted to do this book, the publishers that I had been working with were like, nah, it's too specific and it's too, it's too, you know, you're whittling. I can't remember this too directive of a, of a book or whatever it may be. And I was like, you guys don't know my fan base and don't know wrestling fans. And you should know this after four New York times bestsellers. I mean, you should yeah. follow my instinct here. Uh, and they weren't into it. And I thought, okay, great. I'll do it myself. And here I am in just two weeks today. I think it is. We've already sold out half the first printing, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of books. And it's like, they're already talking about a second printing. And once again, it's like, I know when I'm right. And I knew this would work and I knew it was right. So. Yeah. I mean, I just crazy to think four bestsellers are not going to trust your instinct on that one. Cause uh, you know, yeah. your fan base better than anybody. And I just thought, man, this has you know, money written all over. Great idea. I was kind of wondering why it didn't get published by uh, you know the normal publisher. Like, how how come you went in that? That's that why. Direction. That's exactly why. And then and, uh, th then once I found out that you know they didn't want to do it, then I started looking into self publishing. And now it's like they kind of shot themselves in the foot because there's no reason for me to ever work with a publisher again. If I can get these types of results just on my own. It's just way easier to do and, and way more financially viable. I mean, all of the promotion is in-house. You know, it's me. Um, yeah. And like I said, I don't have a problem just doing things myself if, if that's the case. And this is one of those cases. And obviously, it's going well. I mean, you said you're going to have to do a second printing. You guys are uh, rocking and rolling. You guys are dominating. 
Yeah, exactly. And once again, we had a big long pre-sale because, um, uh, you know, originally we started talking about this last October, but with COVID and things changed and pushed it back, but it did come out in June. So there's a lot of people that were waiting for their books and were excited to get it. I think there's a lot of people probably thought it was just a figment of my imagination because we've been talking about it for so long, but it worked out and it's done. And, and, uh, and uh, like I said, I'm very, very happy and proud of it. And like I said, there's never been a book like this in wrestling and there never will be. And actually, if you look behind me over the title right there, you'll see a rush book. Yeah. Um, and that really kind of <clears throat> hammered it home that my book would work because that, that has every gig that rush ever played and every set list and all the technical information. It's like, who the fuck would want to buy this? And it's like, okay, yeah, if you're a rush fan, you'd want to buy it, but I'm just a fan of rock and roll. And I just love, I haven't read the whole thing, nor you'd be crazy to read the whole thing, but I'm sure there's Rush fans that have read the whole thing. And this book kind of falls in, in, in line with that. There's, there are fans that will read every single uh, you know, match in here, and there'll be other ones who will see a Jericho match. Oh, Jericho versus The Rock you know, uh, at the Royal Rumble in January of, of 01. Uh, I remember that. Let me go see what match that was for Chris and what he thought about it and maybe thumb through it and find it. Like, this is something you can read for the rest of your life. And get your star rating because, like, oh, I'm not going to watch that when he thought that one stunk. Or, oh, wow, he gave that one, you know, a few well, stars. Well, yeah, and, and once again, these aren't um, these aren't uh, um, Dave Meltzer star ratings. These are my star ratings. You know, these just the, I had seen an early version of the Observer um, back in 1990, and there were star ratings in it. I thought, well, I like that idea, so I'll just do a star rating for every one of my matches. So this has nothing to do with anybody else's thoughts on the match other than me. There's some matches in here that I love that the, that the, you know, the press hated. I don't care. I still gave it a good rating. There's other ones that I wasn't so cool with that other people thought was great. It didn't matter because it's my opinion and my opinion only. Yep, man. Just going back and just thinking about some of those matches, some of those feuds. And I mentioned, kind of mentioned before with Malenko, I loved your feud with Malenko in WCW, man. I, I went back recently um, with Kevin Sullivan. We were watching Slamboree 98, the pop when Malenko takes off the Cyclope mask and beats you. Just awesome stuff. And, and I would be awesome. Just kind of go through the book. Like what match was that? Oh, and kind of relive mm -hmm. it. I mean, that's really cool and see what you thought about it. Cause I know listening to it, one of the loudest pops I've heard, which is crazy. Well, and that's the thing. And then you can find in here like my top 10 opponents in WCW, my top 10 opponents go. in WWE, my top 10 opponents in, 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 in Japan or Mexico. We probably haven't even heard of some of these guys, you know, and then we went and got, you know, uh, Fumi Saito, who's kind of the Dave Meltzer of Japan. And there's one of the cats like that from Mexico and they give their favorite matches and, and moments from Japan and Mexico. And I've got it from AW and I've got it from WWE and it's just a real cool cross-section of my entire career encapsulated in this book that, like I said, like whether you like Jericho or don't like Jericho or think I'm the greatest or think that was okay or anything in between, I think people that are real students of this business and as we get further and further along with internet and, and, and you know, all of the information available, there's a lot of people out there that are very much students of this business and are very much interested in all of the history for it. And like I said, I've got a time frame here that that really you can't find anywhere else. You'll never find what was going on in CMLL in 1993 in Mexico, like I can tell you, or what was happening in Japan in WAR in 94 or ECW in 95. Like I said, you might find more of that because it's more in the States, but you're not going to find it with the detail that I have here. And then not even touching all the WWE and AW and New Japan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
and I'm such a big fan. Like, you know, you see so much on TV, but then those matches you don't know of, like you mentioned, like, oh, let's check out the war promotion. Oh, when did he wrestle Ultimo Dragon? You know, like stuff like that is really cool. Oh, let's go back to ECW. When did he wrestle Shane? Or, you know, like right. I love that kind of stuff. Like, because I remember like Ludwig Borg, you know, he's he's in New Japan. Like, oh, let me check Cage match, see who he wrestled, when, Her you know, yeah. when he wrestled Hercules. Yeah, exactly. That kind of stuff. I love exactly. that stuff. No, I, I, exactly. And that's the thing that, um, once again, it's just a moment in time captured by by me just wanting to see how many matches I had. So, uh, like I said, I think just by the reaction from everybody, um, from what people have been telling me, you know, and like I said, if you just go through to, I don't know, oh, here's one. Um, my top 10 duds. Oh, <laughs> wow. Worst okay. matches I ever had, you know, or then we have uh, match notes. Bro Here, this is crazy. I just opened to this page. And I didn't have anything in there. Okay, so that's Brody Lee, right? Yep. And I had written a bunch about Brody because I had worked with Brody in 2015, probably 30 times. I was just doing house shows. And the last night he was ever in AEW before he we went home, Alex Marvis got a story from him uh, for this book. And then we never saw him again. You know, unfortunately, he passed away. But it, like, kind of the last recorded interview with Brody is for this book. And wow. so there's a lot of kind of really special things that are like that, you know, and I, you know, my top 10 strangest merch items, oh. you know, that sort of stuff. So anyways, it's, it's a really cool kind of 30 year celebration of, of Chris Jericho's career along with the history book, Jericho30.com. If you want to check it out, um, you can do that, but you can't find it in stores. Like I said, cause I had to uh, publish it myself, but that hasn't seemed to matter with most people. No, no, they'll find a way to get it and they'll love it. But who's the favorite feud, though? I mean, everyone kind of thinks Shawn Michaels is, is the top feud. Is that the favorite feud of all time? It's one of them. I mean, it's it's right up there, man. I mean, um, Shawn has to be up there. Um, I go more of storylines. Like, the storyline with Shawn was great. I loved wrestling with Ultimo Dragon. I love the storyline with Rey Mysterio, the storyline with Kevin Owens. I love the storyline with John Moxley that we did in AEW. Uh, I love the storyline we're doing right now with the inner circle, which is pretty crazy. That's been going on for nine months now and we're still in the thick of it. So um, to me, it's always about the, 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 the storytelling that you have the beginning, the middle and the end, but, but the Sean one definitely is, is, is up there along with all those other ones that I just mentioned to you. And the kind of the one that got away was the WCW one against Goldberg, aka Greenberg. I mean, that was that's yeah, that was great there, too. So. And Bill just didn't want to do that at the time, and you know that's been long documented too. But that was me just trying to get some stuff going and trying to be entertaining, even though I wasn't really being given being being given too much. But um, yeah, that story was a lot of fun too. It just never had a payoff. You know, the idea was yeah. for Goldberg to beat me, and, and it never happened. So uh, I think he did beat me a couple years later when he came to WWE. But at the moment in time in WCW had gone by then. Yep. Now, as far as you and just your career and your legacy, I think when people think about you, GOAT definitely comes up. Uh, a lot of people always say, is he the best ever? The longevity, the different careers, able to change it up, able to kind of do the pain maker thing, even go to New Japan and change it up. What's the legacy of Chris Jericho when you think about it? What is your legacy? You know, GOAT is such a thrown around word right now. And it's funny because I started using that in 2016 when I came back and no one even really knew what it was. I got it from a rap song. I remember Vince was like, why are you calling yourself a GOAT? I'm like, well, it's the greatest of all time. I was like, I wish it, I wish it was a better name, like a bear, like the bear or, you know, or the, or the rhino, but the GOAT kind of sounds dopey. But now, of course, everyone uses it. And I don't know, that's not for me to say, oh, I'm the GOAT. 
but if other people say it, it's much appreciated. Thank you. What I think I am one of the goats of is longevity and, um, and, uh, and not diversity. That's not the word I'm looking for, but always kind of keeping relevance, relevancy, relevancy. Uh, um, and also just always evolving the goat of evolving, you know, like David Bowie might not be the greatest singer of all time, but he is the goat of always changing his character and keeping it fresh and evolving uh, into something different by still, but still being David Bowie at the root of it. And I think it's the same for, for Chris Jericho and that I always do change things. And I just saw something the other day of like 12 different Jerichos on this picture and it's like, if you wanted to dress as Jericho on Halloween, you have 12 different options at least. And I don't think too many other wrestlers can, can say that. So if you want to talk about a goat, in my opinion, that's one of the things that I've done almost better than anybody else is constantly evolve and change to never be a nostalgia act. I never wanted to be that. I always wanted to have a new album to go out and tour on and not just keep relying, you know, on the stuff that I had done in the past. And I always knew when it was time, you know, I knew it was time to ditch Y2J in, in 07 when I came back, it just didn't work anymore. You know, um, I knew it was time to switch things up. You know, when, 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 when the pinnacle beat us down, you get rid of the, of the sunglasses and the flashy sequin jackets and what's next. Okay. We'll be back in black. Let's come back in black. And now it's more of a dark based black type of a look. And it's subtle, but it's it's something that people can go, oh, okay, this look is different from this look. And this attitude is different from that attitude. And I think it's something that people will pick up on the on it, but you have to lead them down that path and let them know this is a different guy. This is now a baby face. This is now a heel. This is now somebody who's gone to another company or someone who has gone to a different country. Like there always has to be something a little bit twisted and different about it to keep people's um attention and to keep yourself relevant is that an acdc thing the back in black is that what you were going for there you wanted to be like you obviously when they return bond scott passes brian johnson comes they do the back in black and yeah i mean I, we ever. actually tried to get back in black for our return promo wow after the after we uh attacked the pinnacle in, in our dressing room and they, they wouldn't even give us the time of day i mean there's been other ones that like you know van, we wanted van halen Right after Eddie died, we wanted to use running with the devil and they came back with $500,000. And I was like, well, that's just a polite way of saying no fucking way. ACDC didn't even come back with that. But yet I see them on, on an Applebee's commercial using back in black. So uh, I guess they're fans of the, uh, of the uh, you know, baby back ribs or something like that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just thought the whole concept of back in black that fit. It's a, it's a, it's a saying that everybody knows uh, it rolls off the tongue and it fit kind of the mindset of what we're doing. We're coming back more focused serious and darker and that's kind of how it's been throughout this whole return and uh speaking of acdc i think brian johnson is also front man but so are you for fozzy i've seen fozzy a few times in concert uh what's going on with them you guys are touring again uh getting ready to tour but i mean there's a lot going on i mean our new single sane just cracked the top 30 after two weeks it's our highest debuting single ever and the most added single ever in, in the history of the band so um who knows how high it's going to go and it's perfect timing for this new tour that we're doing in September. We're actually going out next week to do some festivals. I mean, everybody's back, man. It's like I said, we're going to Miami this week. And then next week, it's uh, somewhere in Iowa. Then there's Wisconsin. And then there's uh, actually, coincidentally, a festival in Jacksonville that we're playing. So it really is a good time to be back. And I think there's a lot of bands that have probably 
have uh, done new records over the pandemic because there really wasn't a lot to do. And now that we're getting ready to go back out on tour again, everybody's excited about that. Everyone's excited to put out some new music and, and get back out on the road. And that's what we're doing. Years ago at Gramercy Theater, I remember uh, saw Fozzie. You guys were awesome. And me and my brother still laugh about it to this day. I say, hey, is God pounds your nails, uh, pounds and nails on the set list? You're like, it's not. But since you mentioned it, I'm going to put it on there. <laughs> me and my brother still laugh about it. We're like, what a great worker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's not on the set anymore. But just because you asked for it, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Gramercy is yeah. great. Last time we played there, we sold it out. And we don't have New York on this upcoming run because New York is one of the states that was slower in opening up. You know, so – uh, we always love playing New York. We played, probably played it more than any other city in the world, and we're excited to go back uh, soon. Anywhere in Jersey coming up? Uh, nowhere in Jersey. Jersey, New York, kind of East Coast, West Coast, we're, we're a little bit more reticent. So it's much more kind of in the Midwest and all that sort of area. And the podcast, want to mention that. Talk is Jericho, baby. What's going on with uh, anything good and exciting? I know you always have great guests. It's all good and exciting, man. Come on, John. I'm going to say, <laughs> no, there's nothing good and exciting happening. <laughs> That's boring this week. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's been great. Like I said, I kind of got into that um, early on. 2013 is when I started, and um, I was able to carve a niche out for myself very quickly and very early. Now that it literally is, you know, as you know, I think over a million podcasts and that's not exaggeration. That is legit number. So it's one of those things where um, I had a fan base early on and was able to keep it and develop it. And I mean, the show just keeps growing. So uh, it's, it's a good place to be. I mean, the, the hardest thing is just now the pandemic is done during pandemic. A lot of stuff really wasn't happening. There wasn't a lot of people doing stuff. So now there is, and there's always guests to be had. You got to be creative sometimes, but now I'm looking forward to, people going out and promoting stuff were like, Oh, so-and-so wants to do your show or this guy wants to do your show or that guy wants to do your show. And not that I didn't have that, but there'll be a lot more of it now. Uh, like I say, cause everyone's back on the road again, man. Yeah, definitely. Now, as we head towards the finish here, give us one last push for the book of why everybody should get it and where they can get it. Well, I think we discussed it in the most. It really is. Like I said, it's more, it's a history book uh, combined with, you know, the fifth in the Jericho series. So if you like, the way that I write my books and construct them, you have a little bit of that, but mostly it is just this really cool journal once again, of every match that I've ever had and, and, and comments about a lot of them and the top 10 lists and all the stuff that I mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, and I did self publish it. Like I said, so people say, when is it available in the UK? Like now, like when's it available in Zimbabwe now, when's it available next door now? Like that's the only way is Jericho30.com. Um, so it won't be in bookstores. It's, it's, it's on sale now via Jericho30.com. Like I said, so I'm really proud of it. Cause like I said, I don't think there's anybody else that can go back and, and find any number of matches. I'll, I'll pick one uh, match number 422. Let's see where that is. I mean, there's nobody that can go back and I like, I like picking the earlier ones because they're a little bit more obscure. Um, you know, match number 422 was March. 26, 1995. I worked with Masao Orihara. I won with a moon uh, with a lion salt in Tokyo. Uh, I made 368 bucks, and that was a two and a half star match in front of about 7,500 people. So I would assume that was a sumo arena show. So I can go back and find all that information here. And, um, you know, like I said, it, it's just a really cool kind of uh, trip through through the past leading up to the future and all the cool things that I got to do as a result of that. You make an awesome drinking game out of it too. Like I'm going to guess, yeah, exactly. Sure, five oh one. He wrestled, uh, you know, uh, a Jushin Thunder Liger. Nope, oh, <laughs> that's right. Exactly. 
But where can everybody find you? You got quarantine, you got uh, Fozzie, you've got your talk is Jericho, you got Winnipeggers. Where can everybody find what you're doing? And, and just social media, man, work? you know how to do it. Come on, what do you want me to say? <laughs> well, what's your Twitter handle and your social media? Oh, you'll find it. Just Google it. You you'll find that and put it up on the thing right here. Yeah, that's oh, the best way to do it. Yeah, all right. I like that's that. the easiest way to do it because no one's going to remember anyways, right? Right, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but Chris, it's been an honor. Thank you uh, so much for all the time. Everybody, get that book, the complete list of Jericho. Awesome, awesome book, Chris. Thank you so much for all the time. I finally got to be in the two man power trip. I never realized that I was the other man. So yes, second thank man. You. Now all and right. forever. Thank you, John. <laughs> yep, Appreciate it, man. Chris. Yep. Take care. Take care. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip where the power lies brother.
this is not right. Jericho's a great athlete. He deserved to be one of the four in this matchup tonight. But this is not the way you win an undisputed title. How are you? How are you? How can you be proud of yourself winning a championship this way? And that damn Booker T doesn't even work here. Look at this celebration. Stay and enjoy the celebration, Y2J. And look at this. Enough to make you sick.